<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. This week we're talking Spider-Man, a spooky rabbit, a sad show about plagues, optimism and art, queer repressed cowboys, and then Tommy did a bad, bad thing. He certainly did. He certainly did. And happy holidays to everyone. Happy Uh, holidays! It's Christmas Eve when this is coming out, which is very weird that it's Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) it's weird that we're here already it's weird that we're here already it's weird that this year is almost over but i'm glad it's almost over but it doesn't seem like 22 might be much better maybe that's just me being a pessimist but good god yeah Uh, you know all all i'm gonna say all i'm gonna say is that this fucking plague had better not screw up me seeing scream on my birthday that's Uh, all i'm gonna say that would be an absolute nightmare i'm so sorry i need my scream it's true. On your birthday. It's on my birthday. It's it's fate. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Ugh. Well, I'm going to see the Matrix tomorrow, so hopefully Me I won't too. hopefully I won't die. <laughs> yeah, same. But I have to see 
because I've been rewatching all of them in preparation, and I'm very excited. I'm not going to talk about that, but I just wanted to mention that I'm rewatching all of them. Fucking slaps. Uh, yeah. So I think maybe next week we'll do like a, a big Matrix just, episode, maybe because we'll have seen all four of them by then. Yes. But speaking of a uh, big franchise and entries tell me about this spider-man okay peter j spider-man or peter b spider-man i don't know whatever (laughs) you know okay so i've talked in the past about how i'm not a huge superhero movie fan and i haven't really been a fan of this uh cycle i would say of dc and marvel films i mean some of them are are, are decent but like for, i'm they're kind of not really doing it for me recently like when you say cycle like when did it start because i don't i like i stopped watching iron marvel man. movies like, oh, 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 oh so like the like the dis the, the okay okay yeah the, the disney side of things and then also the dc stuff post like uh i would say the batman trilogy yes. i keep forgetting this is terrible i like forget that these movies that were made before like the mcu were marvel movies <laughs> they don't have mm-hmm. this like it's so different anyway so yeah so i i mean but spider-man he's my he's my boy i love spider-man i, I also love, love spider-man. spider-man and i've loved every single movie that they've done even the not so great ones i i think they're a lot of fun and just speak mostly because i just i love the character i love that sort of like i guess maybe the li- living dual life type thing kind of maybe hits home i don't know but it's it's always been like a i don't know my my favorite of the the superhero movies well, and that, he's not super buff and either and he's like not super no. buff which i feel like peter parker is a little bit more like oh that's like a a regular superhero body not like a scary buff one and i feel like that right. also is like he's obviously buff but like it's a little bit more relatable he's not like huge and jacked right although i'll tell you what tom holland has turned from a twink to a twunk in this in this uh episode like there's only one scene where he is shirtless but i was like good god sir thank lord you are 25 years old because good god so what else did you like about the movie So anyway, I'm not going to talk too much about it, but I just, this movie is the very first uh, superhero movie that I've cried at. It oh, is emotional. Oh, wow. And it is emotional from about like an hour, about an hour. Like I would say the last like hour and maybe 20 minutes of the movie is just like an emotional roller coaster of me trying to like not ball in this crowded ass theater. Oh, it's really good. It pays off so many moments from the last, geez, 20 years, I guess, of, of Spider-Man movies. And it just there's there's this particular moment where I knew the moment that something says said that I was like, oh, God, oh, God. And is then from there on, it was just like, great po- is it with great power comes great responsibility, because, of course, that line's going to make you fucking cry every time. <laughs> well, it's also what it kind of heralds. And that whew, made me ball. And then for the rest of the movie, I was just like trying not to cry. Oh. It was an emotional time. That and it was review really alone good. might get my... me to watch, go see the new Spider-Man. <laughs> this is, I, this is my favorite of the, any of the movies that have come out in, in Disney's Marvel universe. This is my cool. favorite. Yeah. I think, I think it's a four and a half or a five star movie for me. I know a lot of people are like saying that it, you know, it's pulling on nostalgia and stuff, but no, it's, it's paying off so many dis- disparate type storylines that have been created a couple different times. And I just, you know, it's, it's was an emotional experience that I was not expecting it to be. And I loved it every moment of it. Cool. But that's enough about that. Uh, let's talk spooky rabbits. Let's talk spooky rabbits. We're talking about caveat. Yeah, because I saw you. You were watching it, and you had messaged me that there was a moment where you like screamed. I think. 
Yeah, and I tweeted, I was like, why did Caveat have, I was like, Caveat did not have to go that hard. And I was like, okay, I immediately need to watch this movie, because it, it kept popping up at festivals, and I kept trying, being like, okay, I need to watch that one, and then I just never did. And holy cow, Mary Beth, I screamed. Right? So, okay, listeners, Caveat is, it's, a, it's streaming on Shutter. It is an Irish film. Irish? British? I think it's Irish. It follows a guy who, he's released from prison or some kind of facility where he's been gone for a long time, and he's looking for money and a job, and his friend, associate, whatever, comes up to him and goes, hey, I have a job for you. I'll pay you this much money per night to look after my niece who has psychosis and schizophrenia and I just need you to watch her for a couple days because her dad just killed himself. And he's like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Which, like, you all, you fucking know that. From the outright. And, like, <laughs> as the title says, there come a lot of caveats. Like, oh, the, <laughs> house, sure does. the house is in the middle of an island. Oh, by the way, That's you have... only accessible from a boat. From, from one, one boat. little tiny rowboat. And, oh, by the way, you have to wear this full body suit that jingles so she knows where you are in the house because she doesn't trust anyone. And we used to... And he, like is on a chain and he's like chained around the house and he can't get out of it because someone else has the key so like from the get-go it's like this is not a good situation and then it just keeps going as all these twists and creepy turns and the whole thing is just like so uncomfortable and creepy and tense like the atmosphere from the get-go and like it's just like what is happening and it just keeps ratcheting it up that creepy bunny that everyone sees that plays the drum. It's like, it's not as big of a, as a figure as Mm-mm. I thought it was going to be, but it's really fucking creepy. And I want it. I do. I want it too. His eyes are so realistic. That was the creepiest <laughs> part for me because they look real. <laughs> Little drummer rabbit. Little drummer rabbit. And so there are a, a couple jump scares almost back to back that are absolutely mm-hmm. horrifying. And mm. it's just like, I think this one deserves more credit of being a, one of the scarier movies of this year. I don't think a lot of people saw it, but I think it's one of the scarier, like some scarier movies that I saw that actually like had me having like big fear reactions and felt, I yeah. felt like a little shaken afterward. Yeah. It's very oppressive. And yeah. I mean, shout out to the set design in particular, the houses. Yeah. I, you know, I, it's almost a cliche to say, well, the house is a character, but the house in this has so much character in it because it like it does such a great job of setting the scene of like, this ain't a good place. You in trouble. Why are you doing this? Yep. I just kept thinking, nope. There were so many times where I was like, yeah, I'm noping out of this. I'm noping out of this. I'm noping out of this. Why are you why are you allowing this to happen? And yeah. Really good. It's really, really good. It's on Shutter. It's pretty short. It's just like, if you want to get scared, like, this is a good one to, like, turn off the lights and watch and just, like, absorb the creepy. I don't, we don't want to give away any of the jump scares just because, like, they are so good. But I think this is a good one to watch if you want to be scared. I will say that. It's not as scary as, like, terrified, whatever, but it's still pretty creepy. Like, it will get under Mm -hmm. your skin. So, highly recommend that one. Okay, but what is what is this I see about a sad show about plagues? Yeah, okay. So, I meant to talk about this last week because um, it's, uh. it's when it premiered. And then we just, we ran out of time uh, between all the stuff we had to, like, cover. But I wanted to make a mention of Station Eleven, which oh. is now 
playing on HBO Max. As of today, you can watch the first half of it. They released three episodes and then two. So the first half is out there on HBO Max if you if you subscribe to it. I think it's really good. It's very heavy. It's very sad. But it's also kind of optimistic in a way. And it's oh. kind of ultimately about the healing power of art and the need for art in a world that is facing the apocalypse, pretty much. Oh. And so it's based on a novel by Emily St. John Mandel. Mandel. Mandel? Wow. Mandel. It's, it takes place at various times from, I would say, now up to 2040. And oh. in the now, a flu <laughs> wipes out... Most of the population. Shut up. Um, and so the first episode <laughs> is like, I know, it's very heavy. First episode is basically introducing us to this young girl who's an actress named Kirsten. And at her debut performance, the the main actor in for, for King Lear ends up getting having a heart attack on stage. There's a lot of chaos that erupts. And she is all alone until um, this one man that was in the audience is like, do you need someone to like walk you home and so he like ends up trying to take her home as chicago is going to hell uh with the flu and he ends up being stuck with her because her parents end up dying and so he's all alone with her and his brother in this apartment and it so it has that and then it kind of cuts forward to 2040 20 years later you 2040 is t- only 20 years late 20 years in the future i know <laughs> right <laughs> sorry you said that and i was like oh my god <laughs> Girl, I know. It's like 18 years in the future almost. All right. Um, Sorry. (laughs) And so, and then then Kirsten is, we're following her uh, being played by Mackenzie Davis in the future. (gasps) I love her. And I do too. And it it flips and forth between Kirsten's story as a kid, events that um, take place between those time periods, and then also the ultimate end goal of, of 2040, as she belongs to this traveling troupe that kind of goes around and keeps the art of Shakespeare alive and goes to these little communities that have formed up and is like performing for them. Wait! And so, oh. yeah. And so there's like this hint of optimism underneath a crushing despair of like depressing subject matter. And uh, it's it's really good. It's slow. I don't think it'll be for everyone, but I'm really digging it. And I've been writing about it with Joe Lipset. So if you're if you're watching it, follow along with our recaps because we dig into each episode kind of hard. So mm, that sounds. I've been yeah, seeing it because we have HBO Max and watch a lot of stuff on HBO Max, and we see stuff for it all the time. Excuse yeah, me, if you're, so if I you're depressed about it. what's going on with the plague maybe stay away but other than that i i do think i think it's less about you know it's it's so it's sort of in a way like the stand where the stand is less about the plague than about what happens after and this yeah. is definitely about what happens after an apocalypse pretty much wipes out most of humanity is it like super actiony or is it a little no, bit more understated no. like a drama okay it's more of a drama okay. um and the third episode is by far one of the best hours of television I've seen in a very long time. <gasps> Ooh. Okay, cool. I'm excited to watch it. I also didn't realize it was like, I just assume all like post apocalyptic stuff is like fucking dramatic horror y stuff and like mm-hmm, action y. Yeah. But I love that. Yay. Okay, cool. There are bursts of action in this because uh, well, there are yeah. some kind of bad people in the future, but like. I, I would say it's that's not the, the main focus of it. It's more about these damaged people coming together. Cool, Jesus Christ, that sounds a little too close to home right now. <laughs> I know. 
I can't do Shakespeare. I'm fucked. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> there's one. There's one funny part uh, where this guy is trying to audition for. Uh, the troupe and and they everyone has to audition with Shakespeare. He's like, I don't want to audition with Shakespeare. Can you just please let me do audition with this one thing? And it ends up being the speech from Independence Day, the president's speech. And he ends up auditioning with that to be part of the troupe. And it's like, wait, is this is Bill Pullman? <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. And also yeah. that he has that committed to memory and through the apocalypse has just still has that in his mind. Like that's, right? like, that's incredible. Okay, cool. That, that, that also sells me on the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. But I, I also, I really need to hear about these, qu- this queer repressed, well, queer repressed cowboys because uh, I know what it is and I've been meaning to watch it. So I want to hear everything. Tell me everything. Okay. So this is the power of the dog by Jane Campion, who is a champion, who did in the cut that we covered a couple weeks ago. Hell yeah. And then The Piano and Bright Star. So she's an incredible director. It's been a long time since, I think 12 years since her last movie. So Mm -hmm. she's back, baby, with one of the most beautiful and devastating movies I've ever seen. Wow. So Benedict Cumberbatch plays Phil. And he and his brother, played by Jesse Plemons, George, are running this ranch. It's a pretty successful ranch. They're pretty wealthy. But Phil is really, like, alpha male. Like, always puts Mm. people down, is, like, very kind of gruff and cruel. But also he's respected by all of the the stable hands because he's also fair and like t- it pay, like pays well and treats them well, but is also mm-hmm. like scary as shit. So he's like one of those leaders. And so when his brother George gets married to Rose, played by Kirsten Dunst, who is his wife in real life, um, she moves in to their ranch with him, and along with her comes her son Peter, who's played by Cody Smith McPhee, who was in Let. Let Me In, the remake of Let the yep. Right One In. Um, it's very funny seeing him as a grown-ass adult. Um, <laughs> so when they move in, the dynamics really change. And Phil right. starts like harassing Rose, harassing Peter. And then these like dynamics sort of shift in a really interesting way that leads to a pretty shocking conclusion that I thought was pretty fucking genius and incredible. Um, which I will not spoil because it's the watch it like when I piece it all together, I was like, she fucking did that. Sort of like what we're going to talk about in a little bit about the erotic thriller that we're going to talk about. But like, it is beautifully shot. So you're, it was filmed in New Zealand, but it looks like the American West. So this is, takes place in the 1800s. So it's just like beautiful sprawling mountains and cows and this beautiful giant house and. It's all about, like, repressed sexuality and repressed men and toxic masculinity coming together in this, like, nasty soup. And Phil, like, this isn't necessarily a spoiler, but Phil is, is, is it's implied that he's gay. Like, they, and it's never said, but he, they find, Peter finds um, male, like, porn with naked men in it. And there are, like, some really erotic moments, but, like, just with Phil by himself. So there is this, like, a lot of queer gaze and desire in the film. Mm. Especially, like, in the last, like, back half of the film. And, like, the first half spends a lot of time, like, establishing the, like, the really weird dynamics going on. And then the last half is, like, an emotional gut punch. And it's beautiful. It's just so good. Like, Benedict Cumberbatch 
fucking kills it in this movie. Like, you hate him and also feel a little bit bad, feel a little bit bad for him. So he just, like, strikes this interesting balance of a character who, like, has no idea how to express himself, but is trying to figure it out. I don't know. It's just really incredibly complex and beautiful. And I just, it's one of the best movies of the year, in my opinion. I, I wanted to see it. I saw the trailer and I was like... Is he queer? And so when you saw it, I was like, I had to text yeah, you. Yeah, you like, heard okay. me like, is he gay? I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, is it is this queer? Is this a queer story? Because um, that will immediately like move it. I'm not a huge Western fan, uh, but I was like, but that will immediately like move it more to the top of what I want to see. And I, yeah, I've been meaning to watch this. I think I might watch this this weekend. You should. It's really good. It's long, but it's like it's two hours and seven minutes. It's like that's long, but it's not as long. I thought it was like. It's Much not longer. eyes wide shut long. Eyes not eyes wide shut long. But yeah, cool. I would definitely give that one a watch because it's great. And it's on oh, Netflix, so to. it's like easy to yeah. watch. <laughs> so we've talked about queer repressed cowboys. Let's talk some more about repressed men in oh. uh, <laughs> the erotic thriller that, that we watched. And thank you. I was really proud of that transition. Um, but that was what, a good one. <laughs> what uh, erotic thriller are we talking about today, Turi? Well... Tommy did a bad, bad thing. He did. We're talking Eyes Wide Shut. Stanley Kubrick's final film. Debatable whether it's the cut that he wanted to show or not, because he died, like, I think six days after turning the cut in. I can't. That's what, if fucking I correctly. crazy. And so, like, there have been debates as to whether this is the cut that he wanted people to see. And it's definitely not the cut that he Even if this is the final cut that he wanted to see, it's not the cut that he wanted everyone to see because the studio, in order to get an R rating, had to digitally insert people into the infamous orgy sequence so that we don't see people fucking. But I, I haven't seen this movie since I saw it in the movie theaters. I had a different reaction to it then than I do now. But I am mostly curious to hear what you thought about it, Mary Beth. Well, you... I live tweeted Terry this whole thing. I took an edible and just started texting Terry. I was like, all right, we're just going to do this. It's my favorite activity. I love watching movies and talking to Terry about them because it's just fun. And I tweeted out a screenshot of when we finished the end. And fun fact, someone tweet retweeted that, that I don't know. And was like, if you really watch this movie, you would be reading about it, not texting about it. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean, bruh? Like, who are you? Excuse me? What is up with men this week, by the way? I I saw another tweet of yours that someone responded to when you were like about getting vaxxed and it was like this asshole. He and called like, me a bitter old broad and I was like, thank you did. so much. <laughs> I blocked him. I was like, I'm not engaging with you. Like, this is fucking stupid. Yeah. Get vaccinated, you moron. What is it, men? men are dumb. Um, anyway. <laughs> men are stupid on Twitter. Leave me alone. Just want to tweet about movies and peace. <laughs> this might be one of the best movies I've ever seen. I don't, it's weird to say because I feel like it sounds like I'm just hopping on the Kubrick train and I'm not usually I like Kubrick but I'm not usually one of those people but this is an incredible movie that I haven't stopped thinking about and is I don't know man it's fucking powerful though yeah a lot of things I want to say about it so many thoughts yeah i we, i definitely want to dig in with that because what my my thoughts have definitely changed uh yeah i want to like hear I about said, that i saw this 
I saw this in the movie theaters in 1999 when it was released. When it get which again, 1999. Oh my god, was a banger year for cinema. Golden year for cinema. I also watched The Matrix last night, which is also from 1999. Exactly. So I I went into this. I, I remember being very disappointed in this movie when I was. But again, I was an 18 year old, oh, yeah. only teenager <laughs> that just wanted to see Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise fuck. Well, too bad you don't get that, motherfucker. Are you sure you do sure not? Don't. You sure and then don't. I had also heard, you know, whispers about the orgy scene. And then I was like, so I was like, horny 18-year-old. I was like, ooh, yeah. I'm excited for that, too. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, that's nothing. You see you see almost literally nothing at all other than, like, just full-on female nudity, really. There's, like, not there's nothing. Because, nope. again, it's the digital it's just, insertions. It's boobs and, like, a little bit of pubic hair. So I was really disappointed because this was a two-hour and 40-minute movie that... <laughs> also, the orgy scene is, like, in the middle and it's, like, not the rest of the uh, movie. <laughs> no, it sure isn't. <laughs> and so yeah so like i the 18 year old terry was not impressed with stanley kubrick honestly though like i would have thought the same thing if i was if i saw this when i was 18 i'd be like what is this so yeah no i get that though. i felt like there's the there's this moment in the simpsons where uh i think it's nelson and i don't remember who else walk out of the movie theater and they look up at the at the billboard for the, for the what's playing and it's naked lunch. And he's like, I can see two things wrong with this title. And I'm just like, that's how I felt about this movie. <laughs> Walked out and was like, lied to. <laughs> okay. But it sounds like you're much more positive this time around. Oh, I love this movie. I think this movie is interesting, intriguing. I think there's a lot of different ways you can read Tom Cruise's character in this. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of different ways you can read about how, Kubrick is talking about masculinity. Mm-hmm. He is every all the men in this movie are are gross. They're terrible people. They're horrible people. And but they're different. It's it's presenting different ways. You have like the the t- his friend uh Tom I I can't even remember what his name is. Bill. Bill's friend Victor played by Sidney Pollack who is basically like take care of this prostitute that I've hired because she's OD'd. He's gross. There's the man that's dancing with Nicole Kidman, who is trying so desperately to get into her dress. And it's like it starts off kind of cute and he's very charismatic, but it's also really kind of creepy. And then you have Bill, who is like so upset that the fact with his wife that his wife had an erotic dream about some man that like he goes on a bender of sorts, a sexual bender, I would say. I love to say I have to say that Nicole Kidman's performance when she when she recommend when she not recommends when she reveals like that fantasy she she has never been stoned in her entire life. <laughs> no, no, no she's yeah. never been stoned in her entire <laughs> the high life. Seat, I was like, you're like, not laughing and screaming no. like that, you freak. But anyway, sorry, I just had to bring that up for a second because like, girl, that is not it. Like, have you ever smoked a joint before? Oops. But what I found interesting watching this time is how his sexual bender gets kicked off by him walking down the street thinking about like imagining his wife with some military naval officer that sh- that they had met and that she's had revealed through the kind of iffy pot acting um <laughs> that she had had like an erotic thoughts about um he's thinking about her and then a group of guys walk down the street and call him a faggot and they basically insult his manhood and so it's like that was the tipping point and all of a sudden he seems to be on this quest to go prove his manhood and prove what he thinks is masculinity by trying to 
pay a prostitute to have sex with him, trying to go do this, trying to go do that, ends up discovering this man who is basically pimping out his daughter, it seems like, to I don't know what's going on in that scene. <laughs> but it's Lily Sobieski, which is weird to see. Oh, that's right. I was like, I know you. <laughs> and then he ends up all at the at the at the orgy and then things kind of go south from there. But like it's just it's weird. It's interesting Especially when we consider how much, like, people talk about the misogyny of, of Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. And here's a movie that is kind of devoid. Like, Nicole Kidman's not in this movie much at all. And yet, I would say this movie is more about misogyny than it is about anything else. But that's how I was rooting it. What, what were your thoughts? So, the thing I focused on a lot was sex workers and, like, this, the females mm, mm-hmm. and all of the sex workers in this are explicitly female. So yep. I'm going to be talking about those kinds of, like, that gender when it comes to sex work here. Um, and this narrative of one of them being commodities because you have... Mm-hmm. Um, I have, like, the, the cast list pulled up so I don't forget anyone's name. You have Victor. Victor has the sex worker who overdoses in his bedroom, in his bathroom. And he's just, like, I have to sit with her while she, like, comes out from an overdose. Like, oh, I don't have time for that. And, like, it, and then we have Bill, who's like, you need to go to rehab. You need to get better. So there's these two perspectives here around sex workers. They're disposable and that he can, and, or a man can save them. And that's a lot of this movie in my head. Because Bill, whenever he's with the sex worker, tries to be, like, the nice guy. Like, look, I brought you baked goods. Oh, I'm going to pay you anyway. Like, I'm going to be really nice to you. And, like... I'm a nice guy. I'm not a bad guy. And then you kind of figure out, find out that during, like, this in this ginormous house, the the women being used in these orgies and these weird rituals are sex workers. And while all of the men are in masks and in robes and they're completely hidden, these women are only wearing masks but are in black thongs and are otherwise completely naked. Mm-hmm. And they are the centerpiece of this ritual, and they are to be ogled at, and they are to be like used, and then that you yep. know that gets even more apparent in the in the orgy scene where they're all just like all of the women are fucking, and all of the people watching are men, and there are men fucking them too, but it's just like mm-hmm. they're on display, and one of the sex workers ha- like with this incredible mask just tells Tom Cruise's character like you shouldn't be here like you need to leave and he says things like come with me he does not know this woman does not know what yeah. she looks like and he is trying to save her and he's like I- it's basically like that like, I can save her I can fix her kind of thing and mm-hmm. she's like no son no son like it's not happening and then there's this scene with a co- in the morgue with the corpse that I was like incredibly weirded out by. So he basically finds out that the sex worker he we th- he thinks that the sex worker had an overdose and was was and was killed somehow whatever. So he goes to see her body, which is really creepy. He never saw her face, and he pretends to be her doctor to go see her in a morgue and her dead body. And he, like they pull out her body, and he's just watching it and kind of getting close to it and like almost smelling it and crying over it. And it's this that reminded me so much of like the obsession with dead women and how like he doesn't see her as a th- as a person, but as a thing he projected his desire on and that he could have saved. Like, he could have prevented this death from happening. And, and so her death becomes all about him, not her. 
and her body is just an object for him again to project upon even though she's dead and he thinks he's being empathetic it's so selfish and it's like his empathy which is actually selfishness but he thinks he's a great guy and like that just is a current throughout this movie that is fascinating especially in how he interacts with sex workers and wants to be like mm-hmm. I am such a good person and I want to free the women even though none of them indicate <laughs> wanting to have like none of them like admit to it and mm-hmm. I don't know that's a very long like a long-winded way of talking about but like that's kind of how I was like watching a lot of the movie through the lens of how he interacted with these sex workers who have sex for money and are treated like commodities or like put on a pedestal basically they're never seen as women or as th- people they're things which speaks yeah. to male person like and I I at first wanted to be like fucking misogynist Kubrick and then the more I watched it I was like wait hold on yeah I was wrong I'm big enough to admit that I was wrong and I think it's much deeper than that <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I also think that I, I, I feel like I would have to watch it with more of um because I wasn't expecting this going into this this time. But I think there's probably some queer subtext here with Tom Cruise's character. Yes, you were talking about that. I want to hear more. Oh, I don't I don't really have okay. <laughs> like a full thing thought out. But okay. like it, it all I mean, it all starts with him being called a faggot. And then it goes on his like quest to prove that he's not. It feels like in some way, because that's like the tipping point. It's after that moment in the street where he like goes on this crusade to like he goes to uh, Vanessa Shaw, by the way, playing the incredibly the glamorous sex worker, sex worker who has Domino. a shitty apartment. Her outfit, she looks like she looked when she was taking off her, her her coat and she was dressed as like, oh, she just she needs to be in that toxic video by Britney Spears because she looks like she looks like she is that like flight attendant in that in that. Uh, that's what she was dressed as. <laughs> but I, I just I think that there's like an idea because I, I think that the movie posits his relationship with Victor, Sidney Pollock's character as like this is the man that he wants to be. Like mm-hmm. has this has an even more lavish house than he does, yeah. even though Tom Cruise's Tom Cruise's house or apartment in New York, like hello, except thinking, for the kitchen. Yeah, that kitchen was weird. But like, I was, that kitchen is quaint. I was thinking <laughs> about that too. I was like, you all want to be rich, but like this is a big fucking apartment. Like this is a mm-hmm. nice place to live. Like, mm-hmm. and Sidney Pollock's apartment was like not even an apartment. I didn't even understand what was happening in that home. It was just like a labyrinth uh-huh that has like a, a, a statue garden in it it sounded like because that's where the one dude wanted to take nicole kidman at one point but i just i i think that there's something here between the idea of between like tom cruise and what tom i say tom cruise what bill wants and what he has and i think that he feels the need to to kind of force to fight against this idea that maybe inside, maybe he is a little queer. And so he goes on this whole nightmarish journey to find himself. And by the end of the movie, he's put in his place pretty much by Nicole Kidman in such a glorious final line. Yeah. I don't know. I, I have to think about it more. And, and I, and I want to, I want to maybe rewatch the movie. Cause I, cause I wasn't, I wasn't approaching it with, with through a queer lens when I first started watching it. And then I was like, wait, What's going on here? Because there, there's just so much in this two hour and 40 minute movie, but that flies by, I think. It does. I was really surprised of how quickly, yeah, of how quickly it, it flew past. I was like, I texted Terry. I was like, wait, how have two hours passed already? Like, where did those two hours go? Like, it goes by. It, 
is paced so well that you forget that it's a long movie. Can't say that for all of Kubrick's movies, but... <laughs> but yeah, this is an incredible swan song that was apparently took 15 months to film, and god damn it, is Kubrick a dickhead director? Sorry, dude, but like, good lord, you put your actors to hell and back. Yeah, I remember reading at the time that, uh, well, I mean... There's probably more reasons to it than this movie, but that this movie kind of caused uh, Nicole and, and Tom to go to marriage counselors and, and talk through it. Because I have a feeling that there's like that Kubrick wanted them to get real because we know how he treats his. his yeah, his well, I think someone I've read, I was reading a bunch about this afterward to that fucking dude who was telling me not to text about it and read about it. I was asshole. Um Kubrick wanted it to be like a like a more realistic portrayal of marriage. So like having the couple play the married couple would like lend some authenticity mm-hmm. to it. And Jesus, I can't even imagine the dark places they had to go because Kubrick does like so many takes. Apparently they did like mm-hmm. 95 takes for one scene of Tom Cruise walking through a door and he like wants to break down his actors. I'm like, ooh, that's shitty. Ugh. So it's like the product is gorgeous, but is it worth it? <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> But one final note: Nicole Kidman has never looked better than oh, in this movie. Oh my god! Uh, the scene where she's wearing her glasses and she's on her table and her fingers like next to her mouth and she's just sitting there staring. Oh, like, I took a screenshot oh, of that. <laughs> step on me! I know. I was like, "Can you look at me like that and then give me a little kiss on the forehead and then step <laughs> on my throat?" Yeah, get you someone who looks you the way Nicole Kidman looks at pretty much everyone in this movie. Like, how could you like not want to like fuck her all the time? That's terrible. I'm so like, sorry. But like in like a, in that relationship, like ah, it's not believable to me that he would not like want to have sex with his wife. Like, you're really going to to seek an orgy when you have Nicole Kidman at home? To be to his credit, I don't think he knew it was an orgy. No, but he probably but he, knew he also that made a, like some big efforts to get into that fucking thing so bad. Anyway. We could talk about this movie forever. Uh huh. We really could. But we don't. But it's great. We don't have a it's time. Christmas set. I think there's probably something to talk about there with the whole. I've been thinking idea about of, it a lot. But <laughs> Christmas. Save that for another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Watch that movie with your family, y'all. It'll be great. <laughs> First date movie. <laughs> Grandma will love that movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Perfect movie for, for Christmas holiday. Great. Gather the cousins around. Um, but anyway, so Terry, what is our next erotic Ooh. thriller? So we're going to continue with this theme of adultery, and we're going to watch Adrian. I'm not sure if his last name is Line or Lynn, but Adrian Lynn or Lines, 2002, Unfaithful, with Diane Lane, Richard Gere, and Olivier Martinez's or Olivier Martinez's immaculate cheekbones. He has some model cheekbones in this movie, let me just say. Fuck yes. I'm so excited. And it's going to be sexy and about mm-hmm. infidelity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hooray. But what are we chatting on Monday, Mary Beth? On Monday is this little special episode because we are chatting with ourselves and doing our best of 2021. So we'll be talking about our favorite movies, our favorite moments, some of the things we're most excited for. So give that a listen. It's a longer one, but it's great because we just kind of review our year in movies. And we, in talking to each other, remember that we forgot a bunch of movies that came out in 2020. Boy, did we. There's a lot of, oh, fuck. Yeah. I mean, so we still shout them out, though. So give that a listen on Monday. Um, Okay, everybody, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. Did you watch a film that we watched and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for movies for us to talk about? 
send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. It is Christmas, so if you want to get us a little present, a review would be really nice on iTunes. Thank you, Eric Power, for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you have a Merry Christmas. Stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.